you were at Art Basel as well, I think, right? I was, yeah. I, I wasn't able to go this year, but Prof was there, so was you guys there. are are both in your your post uh, Basel both era recovering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everyone's re- either got time. COVID, the flu, or if they manage to cut through, just you know, general depression because you're not going <laughs> to see your online friends for another six oh, months. Oh no! So oh, no. I'm sliding into that so last which, one. Like, yeah. Which of these are people talking about when they're talking about the Basel flu? Are they talking about COVID or depression mm. or which which of these? I think a cocktail it's more of the three. Yeah. <laughs> a terrible, a terrible cocktail. A little Art Basel COVID cocktail. <laughs> Welcome back to Zero Rights Reserved, a CC Zero podcast about nouns, DAOs, Ethereum, NFTs, and more, brought to you by the Noun Square on-chain media collective. I'm your host, Tody Hawk. My co-host today is Prof Witter, aka the Nounish Professor. And our guest this week is the indomitable Dina Burke, co-founder of perhaps the coolest club in crypto, Boys Club. Welcome to Zero Pod, Dina. Thank you so much for having me. That's a very generous introduction. I thought, I it thought was, we like, should have done. I thought we enough. should have done a introduction like your introduction, just been like Boys Club. Wait, wait, Boys Club, the Boys Club podcast. <laughs> wait, zero, zero rights reserved, like Are some rights reserved, or a couple? No, of them. You're zero, right. zero rights reserved. I think we need to change. If we the were clever, that's Don't what we would have done. Maybe we'll do it in post. We'll fix we'll it, do in it in post. Nice. <laughs> well, the great thing about having a, a podcast host as your guest is that it means I actually get to take the day off. So you guys have fun, <laughs> and uh, Dina's going to take it from here. <laughs> Nouns are all about people, places, and things. Uh, so we say that often on this podcast. We like to start with the people and just really hear the story of, of you know the people behind the projects and communities that we care about uh, in this space. So I would really love to hear a little bit about your personal journey and, and sort of how you ended up in this space, if you would share. Sure. So it's always funny to figure out where to start the story when people ask you <laughs> what, um, what got you here. Uh, I was I think born most, on a cold a... night. No. <laughs> um, I... Uh, have a marketing background. So um, sort of grew up in my career in agencies and then marketing agencies and then started a marketing agency uh, myself. And then that was acquired by something called Indiegogo. I don't know if you guys remember the good old days of uh, crowdfunding. Um, Indiegogo was sort of like the alternative to Kickstarter. So I was working there, um, a sort of like in-house agency. This was 2017-ish. And uh, I came across crypto then um really sort of by being in the office and a bunch of the honestly dudes who were in that office were really into it and i was like hey what's going on here it seems like they're making a lot of money somehow (laughs) and i'm interested in making some money and to be fair they were only telling you about the successes they were totally 100 uh and definitely pump this bag this is not my bag sure totally okay just pump totally Totally. You guys get it. Uh, so anyway, I, I, I started kind of embarrassingly by trading shit coins. Like that was like my first introduction to crypto. Um, in, hey, like, I, I weird... started with trading shit coins with pictures on them. So it's really nice. Nice, nice, nice. In like weird telegram, like pump and dump chat. Like I was just like in a dark corner when I was first getting started and I didn't know anything about it. And I, I had no idea what I was doing and lost my, it was just basically gambling and losing money. Um, but that was kind of my, my way in. And then um, started learning about the technology behind it, blockchain technology, and um, just fell down the rabbit hole as you do and got I got really excited about what I felt like the technology could do for the communities and people that I was interested in being in service of and felt like, man, there was a real opportunity to uh, level the playing field of at first finance. That's all I was kind of thinking about. I didn't grow up with money. And when you don't grow up with money and then you go, you're you're like in in crowds with people with money, you're like, oh, wow your perspective on money is totally different than my perspective on money. My perspective on money is like, how am I going to just like keep this little pile? And for people who have money, they're like, how am I going to make this money work for me? And so when I sort of like realized that I was like, man, this, this, the, the cards are stacked against folks who don't come up with wealth and don't come from that place of privilege. So anyway, I was just really excited about what I felt like was a, a, a leveler in crypto. Um, 
and that it meant that people who have sort of been left behind by the traditional financial system could um, could participate in a way that was was meaningful and and um, yeah so that was 2017 in 2018 I left my job and I raised a little bit of money and built what was effectively a Bitcoin wallet that was designed very intentionally for teenage girls so I was like I'm really interested in this space I really want to get women particularly young women involved and I and there's no place that felt like I could point my niece to to be like go and and have your first sort of experience with crypto here and so i i built that um it was very social it was uh it had like a social feed a very colorful kind of like a a safe well-lit space for people to to have their first crypto experience and again primarily young women i did that for two years in the it, it, bear it's market. funny how it's kind of like the polar opposite of, of how you were onboarded to crypto it's like you totally, saw the, totally. the terrible corner that you entered in you're like yeah. there's got to be a better way than this exactly i was like i want to alley let's create this light <laughs> totally totally uh so uh i did if you guys were in crypto in 2018 2019 you know it was just terrible so i was doing that i was trying to to make that app work for those two years in that bear market and couldn't find any meaningful traction couldn't raise my second round of funding and it was just like bear market doldrums um and so i had to wind that down which was really painful at the time but it was absolutely essential for me to get to the place where i was starting boys club so then fast forward to 2021 i had been done a couple other startups on the side with my partner natasha um who, who you met and uh in 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 our relationship between me and Natasha, I was always like getting into crypto, getting into crypto. Like, and she was always like, I, I, I love that for you, but it's not my bag. <laughs> it's not my thing. Like, she's kind of an art girl, a fashion girl. And so in 2021, everything changed, as you guys know. And crypto Web three, as we we're then started to call it, started to seep into culture in interesting ways. So. It started to come through into sports with Top Shot. It started to come through in social clubs with friends with benefits. And all of a sudden, she was like, okay, wait, it's kind of entering my world in a way that previously it had just been like a black box of technology and finance that I'm not interested in at all. And so that was kind of um, when Boys Club was born was in that moment where I was able to finally convince her like, hey, there's something here. And in that convincing in our relationship, we were like, man, we want to have th- we want to have that conversation with a lot more at first, just women in our lives. That's kind of the scope that we were originally imagining Boys Club would be. Um, and then that expanded considerably. But that's kind of been the journey so far. Been in it for um, uh, long enough that I should have more money. <laughs> but we're man, here now. That is the most relatable Same. thing ever. <laughs> I've been in it long Tony, enough. Why Tony am I still I poor? Like, What's yeah, going on? Yeah, we feel that. <laughs> but but our but our wallets are really pretty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when I was talking to Prof last night uh, and preparing a little bit for this uh, this interview, one thing that she brought up is how when you, when you uh, and Natasha interviewed me about the nouns fork, I guess four months ago or so, and I was uh, really happy to be on your podcast. It was a lot of fun. Uh, but one thing you said that stuck out for Prof was you said, uh, nouns is something I feel like I should know more about, but now I feel like it's too late to ask. And we kind of <laughs> joked about how it was like that meme, like, you know, it's too late to ask. Uh, and that's kind of how we feel a little bit about Boys Club, even though we've both been totally. avid listeners to the podcast Especially and whatnot. Me. It's like, 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 I, like, I should know all about this. And like, when I <laughs> first found your podcast i'm like how did it take me this long and why aren't i a member of this and i still i'm still i'm still learning i'm still learning i love it i mean i think in fairness like boys club is uh it constantly evolving and changing and so wherever you meet us on our journey is perfect <laughs> you're welcome anytime and we're also so different than we were when we started two years ago so i'd say that's totally fair and fine <laughs> Well, so can, can we start a, there then? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, can you talk a little bit about that journey, like where you started and sort of where it's evolved and kind of... Yeah. Maybe start with the name, because I, I know a lot of people yeah. are going to be listening and they'll be like, Boys Club. Hmm. Yeah. It doesn't seem And that accurate. was my first thought. Boys Club, I was like, I don't I don't know. Is it for me? Is it not for me? I'm not sure. Is it tongue in cheek or am <laughs> I in the wrong place? I'm not sure. <laughs> um, yes, it is for you. Uh, Boys Club, the name is tongue in cheek. We have uh, one of our sort of 
core values or pillars is uh, sort of a subversive humor and having um, the name B-Boys Club really delivers on that front very effectively. Um, and also kind of just a nod to um, boys clubs of yore and yeah. kind of, uh, you know, striking out space? and creating your own. Yeah, just What's that? <laughs> the, whole entire, the whole entire crypto space, you mean? <laughs> yes. So well, or, we just wanted to carve so, out our like own space. Even the structures that that we're trying to disrupt, you know, that, exactly. when I hear boys club, that's what I think of as like the cigar rooms of yore, you know? Totally. I think also, uh, yeah, there's kind of a anti-authoritarian streak that runs throughout um, the us, the community, the expression of the brand. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of more than it is about individual people. I'd say it's just about sort of the the, the structures um, that we're kind of nodding to with the name. But yeah, basically, we started um, two years ago, uh, the last sort of height of the, the bull run, uh, as I mentioned in that moment with Natasha, where I was like, okay, finally able to show her what was happening here and we were like man we're in aside from like even the money or the speculation it was it became really apparent that we were and are in a really incredible design moment for what the new internet new consumer internet is going to look like and that we're all going to be living in in like three to five years and it's like man we have an opportunity right now to shape it and to be involved in it and to sort of speak into what it becomes, but only if we're like, if we have a seat at the table, right? And if we are like learning about it and if we're understanding it and if we're building things in and around it. And so that's what was really excited, exciting to Natasha and I more even than like investing or anything like that. We actually in Boys Club don't ever really talk about investing at all where there's no like charts, channels or anything like that. It's more just like, man, there's a lot of creativity here. There's a whole new paradigm shift that's happening around um, an internet that's ownable. And same, same wanna... here. So Prof Werder is a lawyer and she's always complaining. She never gets to say NFA on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> our standard, our standard disclaimer, not legal advice, not financial advice, probably not a cult. Move it on. <laughs> there you go. I love that. Um, anyway, so we were just like, let's just get some people in a room together to, to learn together. Uh, and so we did our first event and then that was like totally oversubscribed. And then we did another event that was bigger. And then we just kind of kept doing bigger and bigger IRL events, like very much getting together in an actual physical room in at first New York. And I think, um, kind of the vibe of those early days was like, none of us are, experts we all are just interested in what this technology is going to do and mean for our careers and the things that we're interested in like art and fashion and all these things like we just want to learn together and learn in community and the only way that we knew how to do that was like let's just get in a room together and kind of talk about it and bring in bring in some experts that might serve to inspire the people who are in the audience and um so that's how we started and then we we're just like doing events and honestly just self-funding them we were just like buy a lot of falafels and get in a space in Chinatown and talk about Web3. And then um, I'd say a couple of months into doing that, we uh, there was sort of a gravitational pull around the brand and it felt really natural to try experimenting with a DAO. And so we spun up the DAO a couple of months in really just because it was like a lot of people were like, I want to get involved with Voice Club. I and I don't know how, and I don't know what, and we're like, okay, well, I don't know either, but there seems to be this container that's a DAO that other people are using. So maybe we can try and experiment with that as well. And so um, that's kind of when the DAO, the first season of the DAO was born. It was basically just like, okay, I think this is something that people are doing. Let's try it ourselves. <laughs> and I'd say the first couple months of that was a lot of figuring out like what that means and what it is. And then we were kind of playing around with DAO stuff. And then in that, we dropped our first NFT. But again, like it's all been in the spirit of experimentation. It was like, we want to all learn together what it means to create and launch an NFT collection. Like again, in that learning in community more than it was like, let's make a ton of money for the treasury. That ended up being a side effect, but that wasn't really sort of what our intention was at first. We were like, man, we just want to kind of figure this out. We had some engineers, we had um, some marketers, and it was like, let's just kind of 
do this. So that's um, one of the projects that we did early on. And then um, the media work really just evolved naturally from there where we were like, okay, the brand has a really distinct way of showing up and there's a voice that's emerged out of that, which is also very distinct and could um, like bear the weight of its own editorial channels and editorial voice. And so we started doing the it newsletter also, every week. It also opens you up to, to finding people all over the world instead of just totally Brooklyn, you know, totally, totally. <laughs> yeah. So we started doing the media work. Um, we started with the newsletter and then we started doing podcasts and again. It's just like all been let's experiment and like kind of see what sticks. Uh, and then the whole time Natasha and I were both also doing other jobs. So we were nights and weekends on boys club and then uh, there was a, a real inflection point about uh, six months ago, I'd say, where we both were like, okay, I think there's enough here, especially with the media business, for us to quit our jobs and give our give it our best shot to do this full time. Um, and so, congratulations! That's thank awesome. Thank you. Yeah, that's but like great, that though. happened during the bear market too, which is even yeah, even yeah. more Huge. awesome. So yeah, that's how so you know you're we, building something great. We thank you. We've been doing that for six months. And then honestly, events have just been continuous throughout. Like that's uh, just the heartbeat of the community and how we show up. And so um, that's what I always like... hear about from about from your community is about your events. And I was really bummed I didn't make it over to the one you had at Art Basel. Sounded like it was incredible. But I, I always hear that about Boys Club is that their events are next level and very inclusive and very like, you know, just amazing and and great connections being made so how was your most recent one at our Basel? well first of all the next one you need you know definitely both of you I need know. to try and come to um events are great i mean i i don't know how much experience you guys have with live events but like it's there's <laughs> they're so stressful <laughs> i used it's to be like, an event i used to be a wedding and event planner that's why i laughed okay and I, just, you get it. I just did a day-long event at art basil for Lil noun so yeah i feel you it's incredibly yeah. stressful it's like a it's what I call a stress incline. It's, yeah. it doesn't get, it just gets more and more stressful as you're getting up to the day. And then like in the hours before it's like, you're at the peak of stress and then everything usually is fine. And it's, it, it, there's a, a decompression, but. Um, yeah, it's like you guys are planning a wedding like every two months. So. Totally. Like never, totally. Yeah. And, never get the break. Yeah. And then, and then being in the wedding too, like a, a big part of it is like. <laughs> and then, and then everyone, you're the bride. <laughs> everyone <No>. comes. <laughs> And it's so no fun. Honeymoon. There's never a honeymoon. Totally. <laughs> this is my honeymoon right now. <laughs> um, Basel was great. Great energy in Miami around Web3, I'd say, generally. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of incredible events that we went to. Um, and it seems like, I don't know, maybe we are so back, but it we felt. Might be so back. I think we might we be. Might be so... <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I hope you're right. It feels that I way. I hope I'm right too. <laughs> So but at your at the event, same you time also... though, oh go ahead. At, sorry, at the sorry. same time though, I kind of like I've been getting like flack for saying I kind of wish the bear market would go on a little longer. Like I've been I've been having fun, and so maybe I'm the only one. But I don't know I it's kind of a vibe. I know it's what you vibe. mean though, because it's there's a different vibe. Like the the peak where you're just people are grinding in the Discord and there's scams every second and there's people in your DMs and it's like Ugh, that's been all gone and it's been nice and you start to see it kind of creeping back and it's totally like, oh, I'm not in the what I'm that. not looking forward <laughs> to is not knowing who's here for real you know that's yeah. something we've talked about on previous podcasts I remember specifically Chris Carella from purple was on our pod and and he mentioned he specifically came back to crypto after having left when the bear market hit because he was like now I know the people that are here actually you know give a shit about what's what's happening and and you know onboarding the next billion users and all this stuff that we care about but soon in like five months it's gonna be really hard again to tell who cares and who's just here for the money so maybe that's what i am a little fearful of i think we'll all remember who who stuck around i like to think <laughs> yeah, that there's there's some on-chain receipts as well of who's <laughs> been true. here for story you know, that's a great point. We do have some on-chain receipts now. It's not like you can pretend. I was here the totally. whole time. Really? Really? <laughs> Let's pull then, scan. then this is my Tony check plea. Please, in six months, please check the receipts. Because uh, I tell you, sometimes <laughs> in the bull market, no one's checking receipts. But Totally. No, it's checking receipts. No, that's um, cool. Basel looked super fun, though. I had a lot of FOMO. 
Uh, it was my son's first birthday this weekend, so I was partying with uh, with cake and toddlers instead of <laughs> instead of you guys. But <laughs> instead of, it looked it looked really your friends it Honestly, it seemed like everybody was there. So everybody was there except yeah, me. it was great. It was phenomenal. And you yeah. all launched uh, the next edition of your zine at yes. Event. So can you talk I wish about I had one. I that and the um and like the was this uh what issue was this or what volume wait 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 yeah, i think we need to we need to stop for that like what is a zine Oops, there might be people that's, listening yeah, that's who are like what's a zine what was that a zine? start there uh, first. a <laughs> zine is just a, 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 a more low-key magazine i i guess is how i define it uh right. sort of scrappier more grassroots uh magazine i think is how folks design it there was a lot of zines in the 90s around sure, like some sub, different subcultures so um that's a zine uh and this is our second edition so we did um one we dropped one at south by southwest last year and then um our second edition here uh and the zine or the magazine um the reason well first of all it came from a DAO proposal so a community member who is this woman she's an incredible photographer she was looking for a new sort of creative outlet for herself and and what was really interesting in the idea of producing a zine and didn't on her own, like really have the vehicle to do that as like just an independent photographer in New York. Like, sure she could, but like, it's much more effective to do that with a platform. And so she brought it to boys club Dow and was able to, uh, you know, build enough sort of momentum and consensus around it and form an early team around it where it took, hold and as you guys know not everything does take hold in a doubt there's a lot of great ideas that come through and not all of them stick but she's she stuck the landing with it and so um did the first edition last um in in march and basically what the zine allows us to do a magazine is a an old media format right like it's been around for decades right as a as a channel uh but what it allows us to do is it's actually really great for communities like ours because it allows us to bring in a lot of different voices and a lot of different artists and people working across different mediums into one edition um that has like its own editorial voice but like allows for a lot of different expressions of that voice and also marks a moment in time and that was like really what we were looking for as a community it was like man there's so many incredible people here we know these people are going to like go on to do really, really cool things. We want to kind of stamp like this is what the community looked like right now. And these were the people that were doing amazing work. And we want to celebrate that and like put a flag in the ground so that in five years we can look back and be like, oh, like she was on the cover of the Voice of Zine in, in 2023 like that and look where she is now. And so and having something um, tangible too, you know, like, yeah. yeah. When, yeah. when anytime we've been to events uh, in Web3, I've, I've been to NFT NYC a couple of times. And when you leave, I mean, you have the experiences that you that you had and you, you, you'll you remember those for a bit. But all the swag and all of like the interesting, tangible things that you take home are the things that you later sort of sort of treasure about those experiences. You know. By the way, I have a box for you. You have to dox them. You're going to have to dox to me or I'm not sending it. <laughs> Right. I, I brought you we'll, swag we'll from dox Miami. for box. That's kind. <laughs> we'll dox for swag. Thank you. Nice. <laughs> but you know, all this stuff that gets made, like this is from an artist in Korea who made this. It's our, our mascot for the now square and, and st stuff like that. That's physical that you can touch is special because we're so on chain. You know what I mean? And totally. so all of our friends are all over the world and, and uh, we're interacting, you know, sometimes face to face like this, but even more often just on discord and on Twitter and on Farcaster sorry on x and on farcaster uh so yeah it's nice <laughs> to have those things you can hold in your hand sometimes totally i, I love how that you're a farcaster guy for I forgot that about you um exactly we wanted something that felt just like a little bit more permanent and so anyway we did the first edition um we had latasha on the cover who's this incredible um mm -hmm. musician artist who does a lot of work in web3 and then um we did our second edition and um, focused this edition more on sort of memes and different corners of the internet. And it doesn't, it's a break even operation financially. Like it doesn't make us any money. And it's a whole lot of very hard and stressful work when you're dealing in print. It's not only are the timelines longer and more um, uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, 
I guess, um, harder, like firmer. They also yeah. like, once you put some, once you pr push something to print, it's like, okay, hope it's right. <laughs> like, it's like there's it's no like, like smart contract. You can't fix the bugs. Totally. Yeah, nope. <laughs> so it's totally, uh, there's no like, way to like fix it. So, uh, it's stressful working in print. It's really hard. We don't make any money from it. It's just a totally a labor of love, but it is, um, it does feel special and different. And I think for a community of people who are across the world, around the world, like having something that again, like marks it in time and shows them, I don't know, there's a physicality of it that um, is really special and fun. So we'll continue doing it, but it is, man, in the thick of it, I'm like, boy, we're never doing this again. <laughs> That's awesome. Are so you, you releasing it word... as an NFT as well, perchance? So, so another part of the zine project is like, uh, just again, this idea of experimentation. So we're wanting to, and we'll continue to experiment with how, what the on-chain strategy is for the zine each time. The first one we did an open edition mint on OpenSea, and it was like, okay, let's, um, the, the sort of separate the physical zine from the, the minting experience and have like a big moment online where there's this open mint, open edition mint. And, um, and then sort of the physical zine has its own life. That was the strategy. It was the open edition, edition meta too. <laughs> Sorry. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It was the open edition meta then also. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so then with this edition, we, one thing that we felt like just in terms of learnings from that we felt was missing when we had the open edition mint and having that not be tied to the physical edition is that there, it, 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 it took away from sort of the um, experience of having a copy of the f physical edition. It didn't really mean anything. Like it means that you have it, but it didn't, that wasn't you having that physical, physical edition was not reflected on change since anyone could mint it. So it took away from kind of the scarcity and specialness of it. So with right. this edition, we're like, let's experiment with having it be the, the mint be tied to the actual physical copy. So we have 500 editions. Each one is individually numbered. And this time it's much more like a fidgetal experience where you receive, you actually receive the f edition of the zine and then you can mint from there. Um, minting on Luxo. So it was much more. Sorry, actually, fidgetal is one of our banned words here on. Uh, Excuse me. <laughs> what would you like I'm me to kidding. replace it with? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No fidgetal. If you have a better word, I'm happy moist, to use it. I just have to... <laughs> I'm just joking. I just heard people joke about it being a, a funny word, yeah. but it, I mean, it is the word. It, <laughs> it works. It, yeah, it unfortunately works. works. If it wasn't such a tidy word where like it actually <laughs> expressed both an idea really concisely, I wouldn't ever yeah. use it because it's awful, but it it does. It so does. Um, <laughs> anyway, funny. yeah. So this one, 500 mints tied to the physical copy. Actually, an interesting learning was for, with this drop was that not having it be an open edition took away from like the internet moment of dropping the right. scene. Um. So that's kind of the trade-off, which we wouldn't have yeah. known unless we just like we learn by doing. So now I'm we know. I'm just gonna say that is the trade-off. It's like you're, totally. you're trading scarcity for attention always. Totally, totally. Yeah. So we'll see what we do for edition three, but that's um, again just like fun to experiment and kind of learn as we ship stuff. And then cool. when's uh, the third one planned for? Uh, ask me in two weeks. I don't know. Okay, cool. <laughs> right now. She's it on her honeymoon, to... prof. This is her Never honeymoon. Never again Jeez. is the yeah, answer. Right. So uh, hey, a little, a little bit ago you said. Three. I did. I did. I walked uh, into it. A little bit ago you mentioned a word and I, I saw Prof Werner's ears perk up. Uh, you said DAO and yeah. <laughs> Prof does a lot of work with, with uh, BuilderDAO, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with, but it's uh, mm -hmm. actually a, a nouns funded initiative that makes it super easy for anyone to spin up a DAO in a couple clicks. So Prof does a lot of work in that space. And I could just tell that, that Prof wanted to ask you a question or two about the DAO structure that you guys are are working sure. with. Am I yeah, right, so what is your DAO structure? Are you using an ERC-20 or are you using an NFT token for voting and how are you structured? We are you actually snapshot, an off, like, we're an off-chain DAO. So okay. we are um, also in a, a moment of reflection as a DAO to figure out what is next for us. So we've done two distinct seasons as a DAO. We also, um, uh, the woman who really stewards our DAO initiatives. Her name is, is Parker. She's done some incredible sort of 
writing and postmortem writing and learnings on sort of the two different seasons that I can send you guys the link. Um, that would be great. Yeah. That are in, in really incredible. I think for us, um, we're in a moment of trying to figure out what we want the DAO to do. And there's some conflicting opinions about what we think the DAO's purpose should be, but it felt many important. such cases, by the way. Many yeah. such cases. Many <laughs> such not cases. Alone. It felt important to um, to have, yeah. A, a, I think what we've learned is that there's incredible energy around Boys Club. There's a lot of people who want to participate and who want to get involved, and that's incredible. And I wouldn't trade that for anything. And when you don't have a really clear way to channel that energy towards a really specific goal, it goes like it like spreads out and goes crazy, and it actually is it ends up being kind of a waste of everyone's time where you're trying to like herd cats and people are all going in different directions and it's um it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't actually doesn't isn't in service of anyone and so we wanted to mostly just in out of respect for people's time and attention wanted to make sure that when we start up the next season of the Dow, we have a really clear mandate really really clear and we're all kind of walking in the same direction now people's journeys may be slightly different and uh, you know some people may be working on one thing and other people working on another thing but like that there's a clear north star we've kind of been lacking that and so um that's what we're sort of in reflection of now before we start season three um and also we are an off chain out so voice club there's no there's no token we do have an nft that was sort of a supporter nft but that's not tau- that's not tied to either membership or participation in the dao um and also the dao is a smaller subset of our community so there's um the sort of core team and the dao which is um i think at this point probably technically like 30 people in the dao and then there's the wider community and then there's kind of the audience of voice club there's like these um growing circles so that's another distinction um so we're small like we've we've always decided to sort of approach the DAO experiment in like a, a really contained way so that we're not experimenting too broadly and then having the impact of a failed experiment on a larger community of people so there's a lot I can say on the DAO it's been a it's been incredible and also incredibly challenging to yeah. get our hands around I think the thing about DAOs is that it, maybe it's a double-edged sword, but there's like a, a set of expectations that comes along with mm-hmm. with calling something a DAO. And part of that's just maybe the, tra- the trail that's been blazed by the DAOs that have existed so far. But I mean, tokens is one exactly. of them, right? So I'll, I'll, already by saying this is a tokenless DAO, people are like, what? Like, how could that be a DAO, right? I'm sure you've, <laughs> you've probably heard that. And totally. actually, we've, we've had the question a lot at the Noun Square, like, when are you guys going to become a DAO? And we're in the process right now of of launching something similar. It's called the Yellow Collective, and it's going to be an on-chain club, you know, very much inspired by by things like Boys Club and, and some of the other, um, you know, on-chain but also off-chain groups or clubs that are not necessarily a DAO in, like, the traditional sense, not like Nouns DAO, not like Ave DAO, not like some of these protocol DAOs, but rather just like a club of people that are, are – you know, uh, united in a common goal. In this case, to support artists in the noun in the nouniverse, um, and so we're we're treading very carefully too, and like saying this is not a DAO, this is not a shared treasury necessarily. This is a club. You know, with any funds that are raised, will go back to the artists in the space, but it's not like one token, one vote. And making those expectations very clear up front is is very difficult. So I, I definitely feel you on on trying to navigate that particular minefield. Yeah, I I think that in many ways the protocol DAOs are a lot clearer in terms of how they work, what they're for, how voting structure like how voting structures can be optimized. I think when it's a social DAO, like yeah. kind of what you're describing and what Boys Club is, uh there's not that's like here. some protocol that's just spitting money into a shared treasury. That's not what this is. Like we um and and the work isn't as binary. It's not as black and white where it's like, okay, you finished this task. Now you get X amount of tokens. It's it's more amorphous. And so I think because of that, it just needs a lot clearer vision in order for it to not just turn into chaos. And so that's kind of what we're present to. And I think similar to what you're describing in terms of supporting the artists, um, 
and that's personally what I'm campaigning for with the boys club Dow as well in terms of what to transition into for us it's a little bit different it's like man we have a lot of incredible um talent and uh in our in the boys club community and um and people who are working on really cool um projects like I'm personally like I think boys club Dow should be a, a grant giving um, organization where the DAO is voting we, we on. We know things about that. We know things about that. <laughs> okay, we can maybe we can, we can talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's I powerful. Think, that's yeah, what we I, do. <laughs> I love. I of course. I I love that, and I think that. Um, yeah, it's kind of just like what are what are what are we good at, and what's the what's the community have, and so um, anyway, that's just sort of a personal side quest that I'm on, but that's what I take a look at uh, energy. I'm not sure if you've seen it. They've been really active on Farcaster. Chris Corella from purple was one of the folks who also started this up. It's a DAO to support artists on the Zora ecosystem. And uh, we're looking at what they're doing uh, pretty closely in, 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 sort of setting up what we're trying to do and it sounds like it might be also relevant for yeah for season three of boys club yeah especially with with such a creative community and artists and really being able to bring them into it would be interesting in terms of the art if you were going down an nft dow route um with something that like like the way nouns works but for but you can do that for free and on an l2 just saying um, so, you know, that's, that might be a great direction so that you can, you know, actually showcase the talents of, you know, the members of boys club would be kind of cool. Yeah. I love that. I love that. It's yeah. a great idea. Thank you. So that's an option. So Parker, if, if you're the one, <laughs> reach out, hit me up in the DMS. I'll talk, I'll talk you through some <laughs> options. We got, we got things, we got things. That's can great. Help. <laughs> and they're all free by the way, they're public goods. So there you go. Not even chilling. Not even chilling. It doesn't even pump any bags. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry. Sorry. Just a quick pause. My my ear pods have started doing this thing. I don't know if you've noticed this bug. Sometimes when you reposition your ear, my ear pod, anyway, maybe this is not a known issue. It starts something playing on your computer that, yes. was, that was up. Yep. And yep. I was listening to an interview with Dina before this, prepping a little bit. And oh, no. so you're hearing middle, your I adjusted my ear, my <laughs> AirPod, and Dina started talking out of a different speaker. I was like, what the hell is going on? Oh, man. Awful. If Awful. I looked really so confused for a choice. couple minutes, that is why. I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> Apple, like devs do Her something. Her mouth is was... not saying the right words. <laughs> that was so weird. Anyway. So That's funny. trippy. That's really funny. <laughs> All right. I have a question here for you. So one thing I think that we have in common is that we're both trying to build kind of like a media collective thing that is not beholden (laughs) to the usual constraints and limitations of traditional media, you know, where educational content and and, uh, editorials and and all these things and events in your case uh, would always be in some kind of a vice grip, you know, with advertiser influence. And so I'd love to hear your take on that, because it's something we're thinking about a lot and struggling with a lot, like a lot of content creators in this space. Um, can you give me your thoughts a little bit on that and how Boys Club is trying to grapple with that? Yeah. Well, I, I do say we do have advertisers and sponsors. So it, no, right. Yeah. Sure. In in many it's ways, a, it's a mix, though, right? It is a mix. Yeah. In many ways, the business of Boys Club, like kind of looks like a traditional media business, right? Like there's, there's advertisers, there's sponsors. Um, What we haven't done and what I don't think we'll do at least in the short term. And I want to just caveat, we could change our mind in two months and decide to do this. (laughs) But what we haven't done is we haven't raised venture capital. And that's been a really intentional decision because I think for media businesses in particular, that's more even than sponsors and advertisers in the beginning, at least like that's when thing there there's you take on venture capital and it just, there's odd outcomes for media businesses where you're kind of digging yourself out of a hole and racing for growth at all costs. And I think for a little budding early stage media business, trying to find its footing, trying to find its voice, trying to find its audience, um, that would be, uh, uh, I don't think a, a very healthy pressure to put on the business, though it would give us a lot more space and breathing room to not have to be chasing sponsors and advertisers and, and that type of stuff. So um, you feel that. 
So, so no merger with de- with uh, decrypt. With decrypt, <laughs> not for us. It's not for us. I, again, I want to like reserve the right to change our mind in the future, um, <laughs> but for now we're we're bootstrapped and. Um, and so actually the sponsors and the advertisers in this case has actually given us a lot of, it's, it's allowed us, it allowed us to quit our jobs and to do this full time. So it's been a total blessing for us and they've have us on a very long leash to do basically whatever we want and recognize that like kind of what they're buying is a, a, a whole thing that needs its own space in order to be good. So luckily we've had incredible partners so far. Um, and, uh, but I think, I don't know, I, I also, I have a, a thesis about sort of on-chain media that at least in, at least early stage, which we are, it's all about distribution. Every, it's, it's 100% about finding audience and finding distribution. That's the only way that our business can survive and have an impact in the world. And so for us having um any friction in how people access our content um it, it that uh affects the distribution and so we're You're referring we, to like mints like minting and whatnot to minting, yeah. Consume. Yeah. minting or um like token gating content that's yeah. kind of the antithesis of what we're trying to do right now which is like get it as far and wide as possible and so we, we talked could, about trade-offs earlier, and I think this is another such yeah, trade-off. Totally. It's like how- it totally is. I could totally see a world where, where okay, we have some strong foundations as a business, as a media business, like as a result of our incredible partners that supported us early on, and now we're in a position where okay, we can start to focus on um, loyalty and subscribers, and that type of work is plays so well into the on-chain media space and token gating content and minting episodes. And, but for now it's like, man, we're so fledgling. We're so early. We're just trying to make it work like with that. And the only way that works is when we're getting new people into experiencing our content. So I don't know if that yeah, was I think we're, of... in a, we're in a similar, I think we're in a similar yeah. space where it's like, we do want to mint our content online and on chain because I mean, we're an on-chain media collective, we want to be able to look back in five years and be like, yeah, here's our record of everything we've created. Uh, But that's why we like all of our podcasts are minted on Zora, but they're minted for free, you know, because like you said, we just want people to be able to, to to see them, right? We don't, it's not a, it's not a way of trying to become self-sufficient immediately, but it's a way of saying like, if you like this minted, and of course with, with things like Zora creator rewards, who knows down the line, uh, maybe they could create income, but it's definitely not a high priority. It's more about just getting it out there and like getting people comfortable with, with more on-chain methods of distribution as well. Totally. Right. Yeah. I think if there's any, um, on-chain media people listening, I, what I would love is, uh, instead of solving for revenue, instead of trying to solve for revenue for creators in the short term, trying to solve for distribution, novel distribution mm-hmm. for creators yeah. uh, as a creator, that's what I'm looking for. I haven't really seen that in any of the web three tooling yet. Everyone seems what to be we're focusing asking on for is an on-chain Spotify. Okay. This yeah. is <laughs> Dina and Tony and Prof saying, please, I, yes, when on-chain Spotify, yeah, Zora, it's like Jacob. If you're listening, that's what we're looking. For. That's what we're looking for. <laughs> Everyone's building these things where it's like, well, you can get some incremental revenue when people mint your stuff, and it's like that's great. But like, I, I, uh, that that point zero 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 one ETH isn't gonna feed my kids. <laughs> like, <laughs> right? We, like, for sure. That's and yeah. and I appreciate that that is something that they're thinking about. But like, what would be way more powerful is novel distribution um and audience discovery like that's everything so um that's really what we're thinking about and unfortunately the web two channels are just like 10x 100x better at that so that's why we're kind of focused there for now at least it's like they're coming to you and they'll be like have you ever thought of going door to door and selling you know exactly it's like i know that will work but like how many doors i think (laughs) also natasha and i both worked at indiegogo that's how that's where we met and so we have like some shared trauma around (laughs) crowdfunding and (laughs) what that takes like in order to do a successful crowdfunding campaign it it's so much work and all of the work is in prep and like lining up your people who are going to be pre-ordering on day one when you launch your campaign like there's this whole science that goes into it and yeah it's door-to-door sales essentially and so 
I think for both of us, we're like, have a, a just like some white blood cells come up when we hear that type of approach. <laughs> we're like, I don't, I don't want to be near that for now, at least. Not to that's cause you trauma, but like, can we zoom in on that just for a minute? Cause I do think that's interesting that you have that background in kickstarting. Um, and I think it's relevant to DAOs like mm -hmm. nouns that, that sort of do take that on and, and do, uh, well, for example, we just funded uh, Drew Kaufman and uh, Derek Taylor to open a, a nounish coffee shop in LA for $650,000, which is kind Amazing. of a crazy thing for a DAO to do, uh, but very Kickstarter sort of yeah. like ethos. Do, do you think there's anything that DAOs like nouns can learn from the lessons of, of that era of, of Kickstart and Indiegogo and all those, all, hmm. all these types of apps? Um, well, I'd say that I, I would say that you guys have solved for the most of the work of it, which is galvanizing a community support to support any given initiative. I think that what when we were in our in our in our Indiegogo days, like the the biggest mistake that people would make would be, oh, I have this cool idea for a thing. I'm just going to put an Indiegogo page live, and if you build it, they will come. And that is categorically false and not true the coolest ideas in the world if you don't if you haven't um you know galvanized a movement or community around it will fail and so i think for you guys have such a strong community and have such a shared um interest in and skin in the game around these things working that um i think that you've done a, a lot of the hard work already uh but man yeah i the the crowdfunding days of your I wouldn't go back <laughs> I'm not gonna go I think also like what I think we we learned from that which I think web3 solved for really neatly is all these people were backing and, and you know and a lot of it was hardware projects but like all these people were backing these early stage tech companies essentially and not getting any upside from that like willing yeah. to pay two hundred dollars for the first beta version of some weird usb cord and having to deal with like a janky product that they'd get in nine months time after they if at all yeah. if at all if at all and then they didn't get any upside from that where it was like and we saw there was a couple of high profile cases where they like went on to raise these huge uh, venture rounds and the people who supported them early on were like well okay cool <laughs> left with nothing yes. i think web3 is all that so that's one one yeah. advancement that we've made that's i think that's a good point is that you 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 mentioned that like with indiegogo and these types of apps it was like products in search of people yeah. and with DAOs like nouns it's like people in search of ideas or products right. or yeah. things or yeah, it's in this very different I think it's, equation. It's really similar to what you were talking about with galvanizing the community. I always talk about that with new DAOs that are spinning up, and it's very totally. similar to what we were talking about earlier. You need that minimum viable community, or it's not going to be successful. And there's a lot of people when Nouns Builder first launched that thought, I can just launch a DAO just like the way Nouns does. And in my first bid, it's going to be 613 ETH, just like Nouns. It's like, yeah. no, it's not going to work that way. Yeah. It's just not. You need to have that immediate you know if you already come in with this minimum valuable community viable community that also has a aligned mission like everybody's on board with that north star you're going to have like a much higher level chance of success it's still going to be hard and there's still a lot of factors but if you don't have those things it's almost impossible i to, totally agree to have it really pop off yeah i think one of the most heartbreaking things that i see is really well-intentioned people who have really great ideas about communities that are in service of um, wonderful things and them not being present to that fact where if you don't have people galvanized around it, it's not going to work. And that's like one of the hardest things to see. And yeah, I don't know when I, I, I in my marketing experience and background, like what I'm always looking for is, like find a parade and get in front. Like you need to, you need to understand where there's existing movement because creating the movement on your own as an individual is really, really 
hard, if not impossible. And so I think that's yeah. one of the superpowers of nouns, actually. I think that uh, people don't talk enough about nouns being CC0 and how it is like a community in a box. And so uh, I know 4156, one of the founders of nouns, has mentioned this a few times. It's like if you have an idea for an, like for a business or for an initiative, uh, you can get funded to bootstrap it. Uh, for nouns, but you'll also get like, you know, a media community that's going to make totally that's going to make content about it. You're going to have like fans built in. You're going to have, you know, toys built by by Clem that he might send to you that you can pass out. And like, I mean, you, you talked about <laughs> find a parade to get in front of it. Nouns literally <laughs> did that. We went to the Rose Parade. We, we made a float. We're like, uh, Dina told us to make a float and uh, <laughs> yeah. get in front of the parade. So we did. But no, I, I, so I mean, I think that's that's part of the experiment that we're running too. Uh, and even as a microcosm here at the Noun Square, it's like all of our content is CC zero, which is kind of unique for a for a media organization. It's like we hope people will just take it and do things with it. Yeah. And hopefully, it can be like a built-in sort of uh, scaffold that other people could build cool things on. I love that. And I see a little bit of that with Boys Club too, where you're. I feel like you've empowered a lot of your community members to go out in there and, and do the, do the same kind of proliferation totally. where especially they're, you know, they're where they love your merch. They're wearing your merch. They're sharing it everywhere. They're, you know, they're your best evangelists from what I've seen anyway. A hundred percent. sure. One thousand percent. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so we, we touched on nouns uh, a little bit here and I did want to ask you a little bit about, uh, we always like to ask people for outside perspective on what nouns is doing <laughs> as a scared. community and as, as a DAO. Uh, and no, I, I'd love to know, I mean, I know we talked about it face to face a few months ago when we were going through a pretty painful DAO split and, uh, but I'd love to know that aside, you know, what has your, your experience been with nouns and, and sort of what your thoughts are on, on this experiment that we're running? Yeah, I'd say from an outsider perspective, my experience of nouns is that it's a very um, sort of fun-loving and joyous community. <laughs> There's a lot of um, playfulness, I think, in how the brand shows up. And uh, I don't have experience with it, obviously, very deeply at all, but um, I'd say whenever uh were sort of out or when nouns folks come to our events i'd say there's like a real a real playfulness and that's great i think it's really fun um i think that has a that's a extremely powerful place to sit i think that if i were to give some criticism or a commentary i'd say that i think that as a as a brand playing in that space of sort of fun playfulness there's there when I'm thinking about the landscape and the Web three. There's a lot of other competing brands that are also sitting in that space as well. And so being able to carve out what what the the nouns differential is from a brand perspective, just like from a brand identity perspective, and the brand identity is extremely strong and very unique and very differentiated. But um, I think what the brand stands for, having that differentiator be more clear, I think compared to all. Ton of other NFT projects. I don't know. That's like what, a cold. That's a really on... interesting perspective for sure. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the challenges that Nouns has is that being, you know, a true decentralized community actually makes it quite challenging to to build a brand identity. And that's part. Of, actually, that's one of the things that attracted me to Nouns in the first place. Is like how can you that build a brand like in a decentralized way? My, my background's in branding and marketing as well, like you, Dina. And it's like, I don't know if that's possible. How can you not have a central goal or a central authority, you know, making decisions about, you know, what your voice is going to be? How is it even possible? But Nouns actually does a, a pretty good job of it considering, and it's all sort of community uh, community grown, which is, which is pretty in interesting. You know, pe people have often said the values within Nouns are like emergent and that's, that's pretty true. It's like Nouns today is, in some ways very similar to when it was founded, but in other ways very different because it's kind of like this like amorphous totally. evolving blob. So that's, you're right. I think that's a hard thing for nouns to figure out is how do we continue to build a brand, but like the people who are nouns today won't even be the same people who are nouns totally. today from now. Totally. Yeah. Uh, uh, a, a crazy challenge with no playbook to follow. So you're kind of making it <laughs> up as you, you, up as you go you along, which we do we it, it live as we often we say live. here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I will say that, like, I think that the the artist work uh, and supporting the artist, I think I think that actually is the seedling for something that is very distinct for nouns that I don't see in 
pudgy penguins or any of these other things that are also like sort of in an adjacent space that I feel like at least when I've heard you talk about it um feels feels really cool and like very different so um I love that as sort of a pillar that you guys are sort of building around well when 4156 first made his like we call it the white paper tweet it was just a tweet thread when he first sort of introduced nouns two years ago he called it an infinite art project. And I think that's still to me like the core of what nouns yeah. is and whether we're founding, whether we're funding animation, which we've done a lot of, or whether we're funding, you know, novel infrastructure like, like nouns Agora that then gets shipped out to be used by optimism and, and other DAOs, or whether we're funding somebody like Drew Kaufman's coffee shop, they're all like just different manifestations of art in different, in different sort of yeah. tiers, I guess. And so to me, that's what's interesting about it. But I, love that. I, I agree. It's it's a tricky one. So we'll see. It's all an experiment, though. So, you know, I love what you said fun, about, right? you know, the fun. And I always talk about that, like, you know, nouns brings the fun anytime we go to live events. And But I, I think it, Boys Club exactly the same. Like <sighs> Boys Club brings the fun. Like you, I think that's the attraction. And that's the thing I hear over and over again. Oh, it's just so fun. And oh, I connected with this person and then we went off and started a business and all these like crazy things. But it's, you know, at the core of it is, it's like you want to be there because of, there's fun. There's there's fun people, there's fun vibes, there's, you know, fun events, th things like that. And I think that's, I think without it, it's like, if you're going to spend this much time, money and energy in a space, it better be fun. <laughs> Why else am I even going to be there? Totally. So I think that has to be somewhere at the core there. Totally. Absolutely. I'm with you. You, you talked about nouns being in a unique spot of being like in that fun loving uh, sort of sector of web three. And I think boys club sits there too, in a certain way, but maybe Absolutely. instead of calling it fun, I'd call it like the absurd sort of area. It's like not taking ourselves too seriously. Like your name is a great example. It's like boys club, you know, you know exactly what you're doing and nouns is the same way. It's like, Oh, you want to be an ape or do you want to be like a can of spam? Is that what you want to <laughs> identify yourself as online? It's that there's sort of a power in that absurdity and not taking yourself too seriously. Totally. Absolutely. I was going to, ask you about the SPF trial and I don't think we have time yes, to get into that? that. I want to ask that. Please. <laughs> All right. We well, in two minutes that. or less, what was it like following the SPF trial live? You guys oh, did man. a good job of that. Well, first of all, um, I, so I wasn't, I'm in, I'm based in Nashville. So I wasn't there live. Natasha, my um, co-founder and, and partner uh, was there uh, in the courtroom. And so she went m many days and what we call LARPed as a courtroom reporter. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. So, great job, so we didn't know, like we, we, we didn't know that you could go in the court. Like there's like a whole, like you can go in and just watch it. And so anyway, she, she went in and we, we learned uh, so much about the judicial system and how it all sort of hangs together um, in covering the trial. But basically, yeah, I mean, a, a part of it was, um, so for, for those who don't know, we boys club podcast did covered the trial. We did like basically 10 minute daily episodes, um, whenever Natasha was able to make it in, which was, um, almost daily. And, uh, I think for us, it felt important to do like, there was a big debate between us where we were like, man, we don't want to give this guy more airtime. Everyone is talking about it. What's our unique take on this case? And like, he sucks. It sucks for the industry. And like, maybe we should just move on and not cover it. But on the other hand, it feels really like they, I've heard this saying that really resonates with me, which is that daylight is the best astringent. It's actually probably, that's probably wrong. Daylight is the best. Uh, disinfectant usually. Disinfectant. Yeah, oh. disinfectant. Yeah. yeah. What? what was that? <laughs> Daylight is the best disinfectant. Boys Club. Um, so it felt it though he sucks and it sucks to give him more to platform him and to give him more airtime. It felt important to acknowledge what had happened and to uh, look at it in broad daylight and expose the people and their bad behavior. So that we can collectively as an industry see that, decide that we will not accept it and move on and like be able to say this is behavior that we um, absolutely will not accept and and 
then we can kind of turn the page on it. And for us as people who kind of sit in this interesting intersection of like, a lot of our audience doesn't care about crypto that much. They kind of are curious a little bit, but I don't know. And then some, when we do have like diehard crypto people in our community as well. And I don't know, it felt important to talk about it openly and learn from this moment. If we're not learning from this moment, then it's like kind of, I, w- I don't know, it would be, it'd be a missed opportunity. So that's it's what like I they it. say and uh, those who do not learn. It's like people, when they say people who do not learn history are doomed to repeat it. I don't know if that was yeah, exactly, Winston exactly. Churchill or yeah, someone totally. said that anyway. Um, but it's, then exactly. I really loved your, I loved it. I loved those episodes so much. I was listening. I was waiting for them. They were hilarious. It was just, we did need that take. So just to, just to be clear, should something like this happen again? Yes. We want your takes on this. You're amazing. I <laughs> appreciate that. Yes, we do. I will it remember was, that. It was I... just so funny. And I'm an attorney, so I have a very, you know, like a different perspective oh, on this, but you must have, but I was cringed. loving your, I loved it. No, I loved it. Cause I loved like, as you were learning, like there was so much like between the two of you talking about like her telling you. Oh, and then this happened and this is what happens in the system. And then there's, and it was just really fun and you and uh, did a great job. Thank I you. Thank yours you. Yours and Carly Riley were the two that I was listening to every day. We love Carly and getting your so much. And I loved it. She yeah, did a great absolutely job. Absolutely loved it. Um, thank you for that. I will say, yeah, where we sort of found our unique take was in, in sort of finding some humor and color in all of it and also learning about like what was happening. Like we yeah. literally have no, had no idea how a court process took place. So like, yeah, she would kind of come back and tell me about it and be like, yeah. okay, well, what does that mean? Or like, what do you mean the the judge has to like go away and talk about this thing? So anyway, yeah. we had a lot of fun. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you didn't cringe so as a lawyer, cringe at our <laughs> lack of knowledge. Not at all. How, the, how our well, country the works. Way- you, got the, you got the legal <laughs> thumbs up from Prof. <laughs> you got, yeah, you got it. Um, well, the other thing is I teach it. So I teach law, um, Start. I t- teach legal strategies for startups for entrepreneurship students cool and that is the best way that you learn anything is yeah. by if you have to explain it if you have to learn it if you have to teach it to somebody else that's how you're going to solidify the learning so it's perfect yeah it's awesome Thank you. that she was you know just doing that whole process it was fantastic i loved it before you take off on us dina because uh, i know you've got you got to get going uh, you've, you've been building boys club with natasha for two years now uh you fostered an amazing community in the middle of the bear market which i think is amazing we talked earlier about how you were able to go full time on this in the middle of the bear as well which i think is a testament to what you guys are building uh, we just love to know what what are you guys most looking forward to in 2024 this is actually going to air right at the end of the year in about two weeks time it'll be our last episode of zero pod for the year so perfect opportunity to ask you what what to expect in 2024 uh well what we've announced publicly we have a lot coming up in 2024 that is going to be very exciting that we haven't yet talked about yet so i i'm not able to talk about everything but i am able to talk about what we're doing at south by southwest which is um a summit in austin uh that is on the consumer, the application level of crypto, of crypto and Web3. So one, we, Natasha and I, and, the, and a lot of people in the Boys Club core team have been to basically every crypto conference in the last two years. <laughs> We've been to all of them and it's been amazing and incredible and great. And part of what's so great about crypto conferences or Web3 conferences is that they're, um, they're for builders and they're by builders. And the result of that is that there's a lot of conversation about infrastructure and um and uh how things are being built and sort of the plumbing of all of it and sort of you're deep in the stack of how it's all working and what people are building there's not a lot of conversation that's that's about the application level of of web3 and um and i think that that's it's 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 healthy and appropriate and great for the, these conferences to be catering to a certain type of conversation and there also needs to be another type of space that's catering to the sort of consumer layer of of web3 and so that's what we're going to be doing at south by southwest in uh uh march 12th we're doing a one-day summit and basically uh part of why we decided to do it at south by southwest was it's 10 times harder to go in a space that isn't crypto native and that isn't web three native um, to have this conversation, but we felt like it was, we needed to meet people where they were at. And so our hope is that we're bringing in the best 
builders and minds and thinkers that are building in, in Web3 and kind of doing a showcase and sort of vision casting to an audience and room full of Web2 brands, trad brands, agency people, like people who are working in the consumer internet generally um, to have them see what's possible. Like crypto has gotten a really bad rap over the past year and a half. SBF, all the headlines have sucked. And I think what we've been present to is like, yes, that's happening. And there's a really creative group of people who are doing very excellent work and that's not being seen at all. And so we're going to be bringing that to South by South by Southwest and showcasing that incredible work and hopefully like changing some minds about what crypto and Web3 is with people who aren't in our space. So that's like really what we're focused on for the next quarter. Um, and if you listeners are planning to be in Austin for South by Southwest, like definitely have us on your list of, of stops because I think it's going to be a really powerful moment to show a different side of, of Web3. I think that's going to be an that. amazing Where can people... approach. Love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah. Absolutely. Where can people learn more about Boys Club if someone's listening and for some reason they haven't heard your wonderful podcast and the amazing events that you guys put on? What Where should they go? Um, boysclub.vip is our website and it's kind of the hub for everything. You'll find the podcast, the newsletters, and all of our events and everything there. So that's a great place to start. Awesome. Everyone's a VIP. Everyone's a VIP. <laughs> Everyone's a VIP in awesome. Boys Club. Totally. Well, thank you so much, Dina. This has been an awesome conversation. I feel like we probably could have gone for a few hours, but uh, <laughs> I'll be respectful of your time and I appreciate your, your perspectives and everything that you're building. And uh, we look forward to uh, talking to you next time that you I come appreciate and, uh, you guys. And chat with us. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks we'll see you on chain. Bye.